Hello, everybody. It is our chill Q&A Friday night hangout. If you would like to grow as an artist and you can't take an art class, we've got everything you need here at ArtProf, critiques, tutorials, and professional development. How was everybody's week? Tell me in the chat what your week was like. Mine was <laughs> quite dramatic. I ended up doing five paintings in 16 hours, which I never want to have to do again, unless I'm getting paid a lot for it. In fact, you can see the one in the background. That was my favorite one to paint. Raw meat and bloody things. It's just totally up my alley. And a lot of these paintings, in my mind, they're not finished, but they're far enough along that it's not terribly embarrassing. That's a new level to hit with your artwork. Although I did have one that was a total car crash. You guys want to see it? It's so bad. Oh my gosh. Look at, look at how awful this is. It's so bad. I, I really panicked with this piece because the idea for this one was sort of shaky for a while anyway but what was really bad about it is i initially thought about it as oh their heads are pieces of meat and they're gonna have hooks and <laughs> pieces of meat hanging around and then i started working on the painting and it was just exceptionally gory and scary looking and i, really, I can't do this and so I turned them into hanging plants <laughs> because in the Netflix show Beef, one of the main characters owns this plant store. This was, uh, like, I, I don't think this one is not embarrassing. I think this one's pretty bad, but it, it, it passes as a barely finished painting. So here's the car crash. And tell me in the chat who here saw Beef on Netflix and what did you think about that film? show rather yeah i mean i did have fun painting some of the people and i did some really dramatic linear perspective <laughs> that one was oh i i had a couple other ones i'll show you guys in a minute that i did think were pretty good they just need a little bit more time to fix them up but it was good enough for what i was trying to do Pat is asking, how did the beef project get started? It is through this organization called Making Space, and they had a online course called Key Art with Netflix. And the course was a series of videos that you watch. It was with Andy Lerna, who is the creative lead at Netflix Creative. And it was so helpful. It was exactly targeting the things I wanted to know about key art and illustration. And I didn't think there would be anything beyond watching the videos, but then I got an email a week ago and they said, you've been selected to do an assignment. Here's the specs, here's the templates, 
the concept was to do something called a universal base asset, which is basically an image that can be used in multiple formats. So it can be applied to, let's say, a mobile vertical format. It can be set to something that's a billboard or the Netflix dashboard. So if you look at this, all right. This piece, it has really, really specific dimensions. For example, the two faces, this is something they call the safe zone. So the smallest format where you only get that piece, just the two faces. So you'll notice that all the compositions are centered, that the two main characters are always in the safe zone. And then the other idea is that beyond the safe zone, you have other elements of the show, like other characters or things, but that you don't need the stuff around to understand what the show is. So this is the safe zone in this one. And it's so different <laughs> for me because I'm always telling all of you to not do centered compositions, but this demanded a centered composition. So it was a really challenge for me because I'm, I'm not used to doing that. So that was a really great experience that I really liked. And it was a good experience too, because I had the opportunity to figure out, okay, how do I pump out these paintings as quickly as I can? And I did have to make quite a few adjustments to the way I made them, the way that I used the materials. I did release a short yesterday that explains some of the things I did to quicken the process. So it was hard and I, I sort of had a hangover, a work hangover for two days, took a three hour nap today, that really helped. But I'm really glad I had that experience because it's been a long time since I've had to do a tight deadline, mostly because I just haven't done a lot of freelance work. Amanda is asking, what are your thoughts on the book Art and Fear? I haven't read it, actually. People have told me about it and I've seen excerpts and everything. So I don't feel like I have a very well-developed opinion, but maybe some of you in the chat have read it and maybe you can tell me what it's all about. I mean, it seems like a book that's to help motivate and guide you as an artist through the process, which is always a good thing, but I don't know the specifics of what they talk about in that book. <laughs> Slate in my dreams. <laughs> I wish. I feel like such a phony right now because I look at all of these artists. I'm surely you guys sympathize with this because I've been following a lot of movie poster artists and illustrators on Instagram and looking at the work that they do. And it, it just feels so far from where I am. Has anybody else felt that, that, okay, you have the skill or something you want to do. And then you look at the people who are doing it, who are professional, and it's always the people at the top of their game, because those are the people that get the visibility. The people who are trying <laughs> don't get as much visibility. And so it's sort of frustrating because you feel like you're comparing yourself to somebody who has had smashing success. 
And that just feels even worse. On the other hand, though, I've really enjoyed following the accounts because the things that they talk about are super specific. And, and one thing that they said, Andy Lerna said, Lerma? Oh, gosh, I really need to make sure I'm saying his name correctly. He talked in the course about certain colors and fonts that are very closely associated with certain film genres. For example, he said that the color green is oftentimes associated with sci-fi and that romantic comedies tend to have script for font. And a lot of that stuff, it, it just makes so much sense, but it's not something that I would come up with on my own. So I found those specifics extremely helpful. Yeah, and tell me in the chat who has thoughts about anything from this week, because I love these Hangouts. First of all, they require no setup. <laughs> Number two, they are a way for us to all check in with each other and see how we're all doing. And this deadline was very hard, but I totally pulled it off. And I, I knew I would because I've had to burn rubber before I went to art school and did all that for a long time. But this is the first time in a long time because I was working as a fine artist before and Red Fairy and all my other pieces, they're on my own time. I haven't had to do work on a deadline for a while. Actually, let me know in the chat, how many of you have in the past done work on a deadline and how is it different than doing it on your own? Because on one hand, I was thinking to myself, it's sort of nice to have a deadline because first of all, I shoved everything out of my schedule for two straight days. And I never do that. I always have a million things to do. And it, it was sort of nice to create that little bubble of that deadline. That was very helpful. And the other thing is that I didn't have any time to obsess over some dumb little thing, which I do all the time. And now I'm thinking, geez, I maybe the reason my work takes so long is because I let myself get fixated. And with the deadline, I couldn't do that. I couldn't afford to second guess decisions like in the composition. There just wasn't time to go back and do it. And Anna says, is doing a center composition an illustration thing? Because I've always been taught and agree that center compositions are stayed. It's definitely a movie poster thing because Ashley, my pretend but seasoned real art director, she explained to me that one of the things about movie posters is that you never know what context you're going to encounter them in. For example, you don't know if the movie poster is going to be an ad on YouTube. You don't know if it's going to be a poster at a bus stop, or maybe it's something you're seeing on a subway and it's this little thing. And so she said that movie posters have to have immediate readability. And she said that when you have centered compositions, that is what helps it. So I found that fascinating because I, I'm like you, Anna, I was always taught <laughs> and do teach that centered compositions aren't always a good thing. And so I've had to rewire my thinking with that. 
Slate thinks they're asking for a reason. I don't think they want to use David Cho for the artist for another season. Does anybody here know about David Cho? He is an artist who painted a mural at Facebook headquarters when they just got started. And at the time, Facebook didn't have any money to pay him. And so they paid him in stock. And now he's a multimillionaire because of that Facebook stock. And he's actually in beef in the movie. He plays one of the characters. He was great. I thought he was wonderful. <laughs> and Jess Wood is asking, can you describe in more detail the format of the watercolor workshop? Is it a watch and learn type style or does it include more active participation? Yes, the way we do the workshops, and by the way, registration is due today. So if you guys wanna register, you better do it now. So go to the main page, rprof.org, you'll see it right there at the top for how to register. The workshops, there are two things. First of all, there's the live session. Live session is three hours. And that is very much you are making work in real time. And I'm talking to you in real time. So it is very much where you're painting. You post a picture of where you are. I bring you on voice. I talk to you about how that looks. I talk to you probably at least twice during the work session. And then the last hour of the critique is a critique session where we look at all the work that people made during the workshop and you chat with me to review that work. What's really nice about that is because people are sharing their work throughout the three hours, we end up with wonderful documentation of people's progress. And you don't usually get to see that in a lot of classrooms, even in person, you don't get to see that. And that's one thing I really appreciate. Now, the second thing, that actually, a lot of people don't know this. It's on the workshop pages, but the workshop pages, a lot of information. I understand. You probably don't feel like you have the time to read that. That's fine. But it is there. We do explain that the week before the live session and the week after the live session, they are, we are together in Discord and I type comments. I give support. I give technical advice. I critique pieces. And that week before is critical because I get to know you before the live session. And therefore the live session is much more productive. Like if we just showed up at the live session, I didn't know you, I didn't know anything. I don't feel like it would be very productive. But that week before, when you say, oh, here are the paintings I'm working on. This is stuff I'm struggling with. And so I give you a lot of support for that first week. And then the week after, the live session. There's another period of support in the Discord. And that's really nice because a lot of people will start something in the workshop, but not be able to finish. Obviously, it's not that long. But then a couple of days later, they'll come back and say, oh, I worked on this some more. Here's where it is. Can I have some feedback? And that's always really nice because I think the live session, you're just absorbing so much information that it is oftentimes hard to process that in the moment. And so when you know you have a week after to show me the work, after you've had time for things to sink in a little bit more, it is incredibly helpful for a lot of people. So I, I don't really wanna say it's a two week workshop because it's 
not two weeks of live sessions, but it is two weeks of feedback plus a live session. So hopefully that makes sense, Jess. And we do have some people in the chat who have done workshops in the past. So perhaps some of them can chime in about the workshop experience, but they're really fun. I tell people that the workshops are my treat for all the administrative tasks I have to do. It's like, oh, now I get to do the fun part. It's really great. Anna says, I feel like a failure a lot. Comparing myself to my peers is depressing. I have to stop caring as much as I used to. Honestly, that's what we have to do sometimes. I have been following this movie poster illustrator who's fabulous, Akiko Sterenberger, and she she's hot stuff. She's who everybody wants to hire. She's in huge demand. And I read this article with her where I think the journalist asked her something like, what if I came to you and I had a job and I said I was going to pay you $10,000? What would you say? And she said, I'd refer you to somebody else. I was like, what? <laughs> Who makes that kind of money from an illustration gig? Like, I can't even conceive of anything like that. I'm not saying I would ever get to that point, but yeah, that, that didn't make me feel very <laughs> encouraged about being a total noob. Yeah, Lisa makes a good point. There will always be better artists. Yep. I try to focus on my progress, but it's challenging. Another artist who I've been chatting with a little bit here or there on Instagram is James Patterson. He did the movie poster for Haha, that Michael Fassbender movie. <laughs> the killer which was boring i was very disappointed i was sad there is a very intense fight scene in that movie which i thought was pretty cool but that was it and he did a traditional painting for the killer poster and it's it really it's like a painting it, it doesn't even remotely look like anything digital or even and it was really interesting because he's been sharing his stuff on Instagram and he talks about how he'll do individual paintings and then they'll Photoshop it together. And actually, Ashley, who is my pretend but real art director, said to me the other day, oh, well, have you ever thought about digital illustration? And I thought, not really, but actually that sort of makes sense that from what I'm seeing in the industry and how people work, it almost feels like you can't do illustration without digital being some component. I know that Mia does watercolor paintings and she does touch-ups in Procreate. And because the final is the publication, you have to worry about the physical artwork. So different than fine art, where it's all about the physical object and you do control where it's seen because in theory, it's at a gallery. It's not on the subway or at a mall or something like that. It's a very, very different mindset. 7A says, I know deadlines can be motivating, which is great, but the stress wears me out. There's a reason I took it easy <laughs> the last two days. And oh boy, this is hard. Like when I was 18 in art school, I did all that stuff, but it didn't feel this hard physically. This is like, oh my God, I'm really achy. I skipped the gym for more days than I'm supposed to. <laughs> so that part, oh, I was like, oh my God, I don't remember being in this much pain when I was 19. 
Pat says, I work in visual effects. We're constantly under deadlines, which leads to lots of overtime. We've now been remote since 2020, and it's so nice not to have to drive home from the studio at 2 a.m. Oh, I bet some of the deadlines that I hear about in a lot of those industries are crazy. Jordan told me that for Spider-Verse, it was so intense. They said so many people quit during the production. And there's a really wonderful book. It's called, what is it called? Pixar Inc. or Animation Inc. I can't remember, but it's written by Ed Catmull, who was one of the founding members of Pixar. And there's this horrible story about Toy Story 2 and all the major problems they had putting it out. And I, I did get the feeling that he was giving sort of a sanitized version. It, it sounded like it was like way worse than the way he actually said it. But it, that's terrifying to me, being under that kind of pressure. I mean, what do you do if you have kids? It's like you just don't get to see your kids, which is really, I, I wouldn't be able to deal with that. And, oh, good. Thank you, Sonnet and Anna. I have such a great time with you guys. And the nice thing about the workshops, too, is that it's small groups. Usually we have about 10, 12 people tops, but sometimes the workshops are six or seven people and we can have really in-depth conversations. It's not the same thing as, say, the stage sessions after the stream where you only get a few minutes with us, but the workshops, like, I work with you. I get to know you and it's really, really nice. Sonnet says, oh my God, the comparison is real. It's tough not to feel jealous over someone else's beautiful work, especially when you're struggling. Mm -hmm. It's hard to see what other people have, what they've accomplished and think to yourself, well, that's what I want, but I'm not there. <laughs> like those people are there, I'm not there yet. And that's really difficult. Also, James Jean, I'm sure a lot of people here know about James Jean really famous illustrator. He did a poster for, is it Guillermo del Toro? He did that film, The Shape of Water, and James Jean did a poster for it. And it was really cool. I found an article where he said that most of the image was a charcoal drawing, but then he did all the color digitally. It was a very beautiful, dark, moody blue. And so I'm sort of thinking more, all right, how do I get digital into my process in a way that perhaps expedites things? Because it does seem like the speed and pacing at which you can work really matters. And that is one thing I like about digital. It does speed things up very much in terms of putting out a lot of different options. Actually, <laughs> I could show you guys this. I was working on this a little bit before the stream, I've been doing some digital stuff with my Nest poster, my pretend movie called The Nest. And it's it's really just a sandbox for me to talk about how I want to do things. So I'll show you guys really quickly what that looks like. And you can see here, I'm just stretching text. And Ashley said this was okay. She said when it's handwritten text, you're allowed to stretch things. I checked with her. <laughs> it, it, there's so many iterations. And 
I feel like I just don't know when to stop. It's just absurd. So these are just, I just threw these together. These are not that exciting, but I've been looking at a lot of other posters and trying, these are the first ones that I did. And I tried one today that was flipped. That wasn't so dark. I know these are too dark for sure. So I tried one like this where I made the background very light, changed the letters to dark. And I sort of like this one because I feel like there's a diagonal of the words going up and then the wasp going to the upper right hand corner. I'm not saying I'm there yet. I'm just saying I'm starting to think more like a designer than I did before. I, I'm not good at it, but I am thinking about those things. And I think that's the first step when you're trying to learn something is to shift your mindset, to notice or prioritize certain things in the work that are important for that particular genre. Also, it really helped that the wasps came back this week. <laughs> they haven't been in there for months. I can't remember the last time the wasps were in the nest, but two of them showed up. And I don't know if they came back to lay eggs. Maybe there are eggs in there. They ha I have no idea. It's so gross though. <laughs> By the way, everybody, post your questions for me in the chat. I'm happy to talk about anything. And Melvin says, your workshops sound very helpful. Definitely think I could build in deadlines in the creation of my personal work. For sure. They don't have to be stressful deadlines. I oftentimes will give myself multiple layers of deadlines. I'll say, okay, this is the deadline I can't mess with. This one has to be done. But then I'll say, okay, these two weeks before I, I have to have this part done. And so I oftentimes have multiple deadlines that say, okay, thumbnails have to be done by here. Because actually for the beef stuff, I don't think I spent more time on the brainstorming, but I think the brainstorming was half of the time. And I was so frustrated. Tell me in the chat if this happens to you. I'll just show you guys some of the stuff I was doing. So in the beginning, I'm doing a lot of math <laughs> and I'm just throwing together really stupid looking thumb. Yeah, those are supposed to be seat belts, those X's. But I remember I got to a point where I, I just was like frustrated. I just felt like it wasn't going anywhere. And so the, these are actually measured out. Like these have the correct aspect ratio. So actually here you can see better what I was talking about with the safe zone. So you can see I've drawn a little square where the safe zone is supposed to be. And then all the stuff is around that. And look at how bad this one is. This one's so cliche. It's terrible. It's a really dumb composition. <laughs> and so I had a couple like really bad ones and I was like, oh, I can't think of anything else. That happens a lot with brainstorming. But then I, I think it got really exciting when I started drawing all the meat hooks. <laughs> I just like beef and <laughs> carcasses. It's really, really fun. Yeah. Ryan is asking... Did you already have the folding, a oh, folds class? <laughs> Clothing and drapery was the title. I missed a charcoal class. I probably missed this one too. Yeah, sorry. The clothing class is tomorrow, so it's too late to register. But we do have so many other options. Oil, pastel, watercolor, 
go to artprof.org, the main page, and you'll see them all. There's still time for you guys to register. And if the workshop runs, I will keep registration open until it fills or two days before the deadline. But we need people to register to make sure that it runs, which is why you should register now, because if you wait till later, it may not be an option. Manette says, I got such good feedback on the heart puzzle. Yes, I saw that in the Discord, Manette. For the February art dinner, my sister suggested I sell them made to order and selflessly offered to have me make a couple of her dogs to smooth out the process. Oh my gosh. Isn't that amazing, Manette, how things lead to other things? I mean, sometimes we're making work and we just think, la la la, I'm making this. But then something happens and it leads to something else. And it's hard because I do think for a lot of us, we sort of think, ah, nothing's going to happen. I'm just doing this thing. But you don't know who is watching. You only need one person to see something. You don't need millions to have an opportunity. For example, I think some of you saw that they flew me to Canada to talk about butts on <laughs> this Canadian TV show called The Nature of Things. And they found me through YouTube. They saw my anatomy lecture where I talked about the butt and drawing and art history. That's how they found me. I would never think that that was something that would happen. And so this concept of putting yourself out there, I know it's hard. It's not an easy thing, but it's amazing how stuff just comes out of the woodwork. That said, you have to keep at it. <laughs> you can't just post once every three years and hope for that. But I do think oftentimes we just don't know who's watching. And that's why when things like that happen, you realize, oh, wow, it does work. <laughs> but you need to have the experience first. I think until you've had an experience like that, it does feel like, oh, nobody's going to care. But it happens. And it happens by putting yourself out there. Nobody had to approve my artistic anatomy lecture on YouTube. I just put it out there. And Blake says, it's harder seeing people whose work you don't like being popular. I'm never jealous of amazing work, but I am jealous of artists I don't that are actually gaining success. Honestly, Blake, most of the time, the reason that happens is because people are very good at marketing. That's usually the reason why the work gets popular. It's not the only reason. I mean, sometimes when you just find your place, you find your people and they really appreciate what you do and they boost you and that can happen too. And a lot of work is not my cup of tea, but it is for this group of people. And so a big part of it is finding those people and then being really good at marketing. I mean, look at Jeff Koons. He's a master marketer. That's why he is as visible as he is. I have had professors and other artists I know who have amazing work that I could never do, that I think is thoughtful and brilliant and innovative, and they're not that popular. Guess what? Because they hate marketing. Marketing is a full-time job. And so I think what's hard for a lot of us is that there's the artwork, but then there's the marketing. And the artwork doesn't get visibility without the marketing. And it's, it's frustrating. It's like, shouldn't it be about the work? Yeah, but it isn't. Unfortunately, that's the hard truth about that. Hi, Jamie. Welcome to the stream. 
you know something, 7A? I swear I have trypophobia because I get goosebumps when I look at that nest, but I can't stop looking at it. And my kid was like, you don't have trypophobia. That means you're totally shutting down. I'm like, you don't understand. Like, I get this prickly feeling of my neck when I look at that nest. I can't stop looking at it. It's so, so bad. Oh, yeah. Drew Struzan is quintessential movie poster artist. I mean, he did all those classic 80s Indiana Jones, and there's a really good one he did. I think it was him of Goonies, where there's this big rope and the kids are climbing. It's a really amazing composition. Yeah, I follow him on Instagram now, and he's a really great reference. I mean, his work, I think, is definitely associated with that particular era. So it does have that time period association, but it's still brilliant work. I mean, it's really well composed. Jay Patrick says, I'm wanting to have some of my 16 by 20 acrylics on paper scanned for other applications. Any recommendations on sources? Are locals like staples acceptable? I haven't used staples before, so I don't really know what they have. It depends though, does your painting, Jay Patrick, and it's okay if you don't know, does it have any glare? Is it shiny? Because you can get glare from anything. I mean, that, that's the thing that's really hard. Whenever I have a painting, if I want to varnish it, I always varnish it after I've taken a photo because oh, taking a photo of a varnished painting is a total nightmare. And so I was going to tell you that depending on how shiny your piece is, you might be better off taking a photo of it. I usually don't scan stuff, but a lot of that's because my work is really big and it's just not practical, but you might be fine scanning it there. I'm just saying you might try photographing it unless you're making like a hard copy print catalog, your phone is totally fine. So you could try something like that. Ho Long says, what's your favorite color? Red. I love red. Haven't you guys noticed there's just a lot of red around the website? I mean, it's not an accident that our logo is a red blot. <laughs> Absolutely. Also helped that Moulin Rouge was all red. So that was really, really nice. By the way, there are 96 people watching right now. And I would love to hear, where are you from? Lurkers, jump in, just say hi. You don't have to do anything else. I just really, really like seeing all the different names and places or jump in and tell me what's your favorite dessert or something like, whatever you want to tell me. You can tell me a dessert that you like, where you're from, or you can just say hi whatever you guys want to do. <laughs> Mike says, I'm glad I don't owe you money after seeing meat hooks. Oh, I looked at some gross pictures online. I blanked them out in the reel that I posted because some <laughs> are really, really gross. Harlan says, I want to use liquid charcoal for half tones on an inked illustration as an experiment instead of an ink wash Looking at different waterproof inks and papers make this work. You have any suggestions? Are you asking about, oh, you're asking about waterproof inks and papers. Probably I would use watercolor paper because you want something that's going to be able to take the wetness of that. 
for waterproof inks, I forget if it's Higgins, but I think Higgins has one called Black Magic that is waterproof. You'll have to look it up, but another good company is Dr. P.H. Martins. That's the one that Kat uses a lot for her comics. So take a look at that. And <laughs> Janice, well, this is following up from, I think, a previous comment from Jen, which of course I can't find right now. But anyway, oh, here it is. Jen says, it always hurts my soul a little when Clara is like, this one is so terrible. And I'm like, I like it. And Janice says, me too. I keep wondering what's wrong with it. You know something? If I sat down and I explained to you what I think was wrong with it, I think you would all go, oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> you would. It's just, you're not me. You're not in my head. And also, I think we all have particular goals for what we want to achieve. Sometimes they don't align with maybe what the job is asking. But for me, a big part of it is, is the satisfaction of knowing that I fulfilled the requirements and also had my own creative take. Uma says, I saw your video on five painting processes. This was for speeding things up, by the way. You said you painted them at the same time instead, one after another. Did you put on a timer <laughs> to keep track of your progress? I should have, but I was, I actually didn't film that much because I was like, if I stop to film, this is going to take forever. I did film a little bit, but in retrospect, it would have been nice. It just was no time. But yes, what I would do is I would start them. All these started with marker and I would then end up putting marker on all of them. And actually I can pull it up to show you guys what some of those ways were. So if you guys look at this, oh my gosh, I spent a long time measuring because I had to make sure the proportions for the safe zone were perfect. Like that is not something you can mess with. So I think it took me two hours to do all the pencil sketches on all the pieces. So this was the first round, just throwing in the pencil. And then I went through and I added marker to all of them. So the marker for me was the base of the paintings. It, it was something that could be permanent because I did them in alcohol markers. And so I knew that these would be nice and solid. So I could put anything on top of these and they would be totally fine. So I did all five, got to the marker stage before I did anything else. And that does expedite the process, just even in my head. Like if I try to do one painting and finish it all before I start another one, that, that just feels like a lot of work. And so doing them at the same time, jumping between them, I think was very, very helpful. And then you can see the work in progress painting. This is sort of the next stage where, okay, I did my pencil, I did my marker, and now I'm throwing down acrylics inks and watercolor. So that's the way that, so actually this one, oh, I can show you guys how this one looked. Yes, I know it's a straight jacket. It's not good, <laughs> but it was too late to change. So that one ended up being this one. And so this one, the concept was that they're stuck together. They've been sort of tied up together 
with these seat belts because they can't escape each other. And it's funny, do you guys see this diagonal? I actually had seat belt straps in the background. It looked terrible, it was so bad. And so then I just eliminated all of them and I just made everything lights and negative space. So if we go back, you guys can see that's where that one started. And then rest went from there. Amanda says, this might be a strange question. What makes a good art teacher? I think you are great. Thank you, Amanda. Interesting because I had a conference today or two days ago with one of my kids' art teachers. My kid loves her. She's fantastic. She's a really, really good teacher. I mean, if my kid says that, <laughs> you know it must be true. It's very high standards. And I think what makes a good art teacher is somebody who can foster your vision. Somebody who lets you be a better artist for the artist who you are. What I think is problematic is when teachers really try to force things on students. Now that's not the same thing as exposing students to something new because you need that as a student, you need to be exposed to new things. But I do think there's a lot of teachers who want to turn you into a mini version of them. That happened all the time at RISD, where some professors, I mean, almost felt like they had this little like cult following of students who all drew like them and hung out with them all the time. And that's not what I want my students to be. I don't want them to make work that looks like mine. I want to help them fulfill their goals. So if you're somebody you say, I want to be a really good sci-fi illustrator, I'm going to say, well, I want to help you do that. I, I'm not going to try to make you a fine artist if that's not what you want to do. And so that's to me what a great art teacher does is you give them the exposure to new things, new concepts, new techniques while fostering their vision. Like I'm not there to foster mine. It's all about their work. Damien says, I'm struggling to find my audience as an artist, especially on social media. Oh, it's so hard, Damien. It's difficult because before you get an audience, there's not a lot to work with. So for example, on YouTube, I have all these analytics. I have years and years of analysis that I can look back on. Now for somebody who starts a YouTube channel from scratch today, they don't have any analytics or information. That's what's the hardest thing. So you have to just try out a lot of different things. And what does help is to look at artists that are doing similar things and seeing who are the people they hang out with. I mean, that's sort of what I'm doing right now with movie poster illustration. I'm following a lot of accounts and I wouldn't say that they're all my favorite, but they are a look at the industry. Like, oh, here's a person who does all digital. Here's a person who does more traditional and this person's a creative director. And so you have to sort of do your research on the industry. So if you are say doing children's book illustration, and let's say you want to do nonfiction, children's book illustration, you have to find the other artists who are doing that and see where they are putting their work. That's the best thing. I mean, when I was a fine artist and I was trying to figure out where I could show my work, I would look up Boston artists because that's where I was living at the time. And I would look up their resumes 
And I would just go, oh, they showed at this gallery and this gallery. Okay, I'm going to try that. That's a really, really good way because that's information. Nobody's going to tell you that. I think there was one artist in Boston. I think it was Steve Locke, L-O-C-K-E. He's a brilliant artist. And I remember I looked up his CV to see his earlier exhibitions. And I did end up showing at one of the galleries that was on there. So it, it's oftentimes, Damien, it's so frustrating. A lot of it is actually research and seeing what's out there. Some good points about scanning paintings. Laura says blacks don't print well on papers. Be careful with that. Alexander says gave up on scanning paintings. Get a good photographer. I just always found the thought of scanning to be so inconvenient. First of all, you have to have a really nice scanner and that's expensive or you go somewhere else. There's nothing wrong with scanning. It's just I'm impatient and I just need a quick photo because I can't remember the last time I needed like an amazing photo for, no, that's not true. Sorry, I take that back. No, I had to do that when I made prints. I had to have really, really good quality photos. But when I'm just putting stuff on social media on a website, I'm just using my phone. That's no problem. Zen says, I just got a bunch of markers, pens, and paints, but I've been putting off on using them because I feel I'd be wasteful if I'm making mistakes or making art I'm not proud of. Any advice? Oh, I know. When you get nice art supplies, <laughs> like I can't use them. I'm not good enough for these markers. They're too good for me. I know the feeling. But the thing is, is that if I waited to make art that I was proud of, I would never make art. You have to make work that you're not proud of. You have to make work that you think is not great. That's the only way you're going to get better. There's nobody on this planet who can just all in a row, just pump out amazing masterpieces. I know it looks like that on social media, but it's not true. Those are heavily curated Instagram feeds. I think what can help them is don't try to do like a full out piece. Do like a little marker drawing. Sometimes if you just change the scale, it makes it feel less wasteful and you still get the practice. So let's say for you, a finished piece is like a nice, big thing, do, do a little drawing that's like this big. Sometimes that alleviates that stress. And the other thing is you have to learn to, to use nice materials because they're great. They will help you quite a bit as an artist. So go for it and never tell yourself you have to only make work that you're proud of because you won't make anything. At least I wouldn't. <laughs> Oh, and Slate is mentioning you can block glare on shiny artwork with polarized filters. Not that hard once you learn the trick. Good. Excellent. We've got Patrick in Oregon, Jennifer in New Mexico, George in Boston, Ginger, oh, in Boston too, Laura in Canada, Alexander likes cream puffs, Opaku in Finland, Damien, Carolinas, Texas. Maria from the Republic of Trinidad and Tobago, Jason A from Bloomfield. Awesome. This is just so fun, everybody. Ice cream or pie? Oh, peach pie. You guys, I make a really good peach pie. <laughs> Plantain chips. I wish I could eat those. I can't eat them anymore because my teeth are really bad. Ooh, Gigi in Vietnam, Elisa in Montreal. 
oh, Pam, I love Vancouver. Vancouver's awesome. They have the best restaurants in Vancouver. Fantastic. Lisa says, sometimes I dislike one of my pieces, but my friends like it. It takes their feedback for me to see the positive side of the piece. Yep. That's why I think it's really, really helpful to get another set of eyes on the work because we're so biased when we look at our own pieces. We are not fair to ourselves when we try to evaluate the work. And actually that happened to me with my sourdough bread fairy painting, that watercolor painting I did a long time ago. I wasn't trying to like do something. I just said, I oh, that's cool. I want to paint it. It was that simple. And I didn't think it was that great at the time. And I put it on social media. A lot of people liked it, but you know something, it wasn't until I showed it to my former RISD professor, Andrew Raftery, and he really, really loved it. And he said to me, Clara, I think that's one of the best paintings you've ever done. I was like, oh, really? <laughs> and because he's somebody I trust and respect so much, it's like it totally changed my perception of that painting. And once he put it in those words, it really made me think harder about what I was doing and maybe I'd want to do that again. And eventually it did turn into a big series of bread fairy pieces. So we absolutely need other people to tell us so hot in the Philippines, Joe. Oh my gosh. I think it was Neil in the Discord posted the art dare. It was a drawing of all these Filipino pastries. And oh, that really makes me want to travel. I haven't had a chance to travel for a long time because I've just been here. But guess who's going to New York City in March? I gotta go see her in Tomato, Sweetie Todd. And yes, I'm already hyperventilating about it. Alexander's asking, if you had a crazy art splurge item, you could just buy no guilt. What would it be? Oh my God. How much space do I have? <laughs> if I could like really splurge, I think I'd probably buy an Intaglio press, like, like a big professional one. Actually, I would just buy a print shop. <laughs> That's probably what I would do. <laughs> just have my own personal lithography studio and etching studio. Yeah, I think I would like that. I would also like all these assistants who do all the work for me. Like they grind my local stones, <laughs> something like that. <laughs> Wiley says, yes, it's just too much pressure to force myself to complete one thing at a time. I love having a lot going on, even if sometimes it's hard to focus on the progress of just a single piece. It is, it's hard to do that, but I do think ultimately there are benefits to that. So let me show you guys the one this, this one needs some work, but I was happy with this one because I, I thought the concept was sort of more unusual. I mean, who knows that it would actually work for the people at Netflix if in theory I was with them. But this is an image of Amy and Danny. They are the two main characters. And the way the show begins is that they get into this road rage fight where they're chasing each other like crazy, but really, my interpretation of the show is that it's about two people who are, are just hurting so much and who are just so pulled down by all the stresses of life. It's a very moving show. And so the concept here is that there are people who feel very run over, like they're, they're running over each other with all these tracks and they're sort of trying to, I guess, 
be together, even though they don't, I, I don't know. I, I'm being very articulate right now, but <laughs> that's sort of the thought. And so I sort of like this as an image of the aftermath of what happened, that they ran each other over so many times that now they're just sort of stuck with each other, which is the premise of the show, which is that these are two people who got involved and now they're so intertwined they can't disconnect. So I, I like that as a concept. And also, this was really fun. I'm gonna make a short about this, but I actually pressed pieces of string to make the pattern for the like muddy road trucks. And then the other one that I do like, and this one needs work. It, it's just a technical thing, but I do like this one. So the idea behind this one is that it's a barbecue grill. And I found all these barbecue pictures where it was like beef flying in the air with a lot of fire. And so I, I sort of thought, okay, well, what if the, not like people need to know this, but I saw the people as like the pieces of beef that were flying in the air. And I didn't put a piece of beef on there because I thought that was a little bit ob too obvious, but I don't know, maybe for a movie poster, they want a quicker, more little read. But I had a lot of fun painting the fire. This is all acrylic ink bleeds where I just threw it down. And I, I like sort of the direction of that. I, I sort of messed up the faces. Like these need a lot of work. They're, they're not like there's one at the top and one down here. They're not as complete as I'd like them to be. But I was happy with the concept of this one. And also I like the linear perspective. So this one was pretty good. I feel like this one and the one in the back is pretty good. I think the other ones, they need a lot of work or there's a couple fundamental <laughs> problems with the way some of the narratives are being talked about in the piece. Wiley's asking, what do you feel are the major pros and cons of taking college art classes? I love my professors and classwork, but I feel a lack of energy to focus on personal projects at the same time. Oh, I think that's very hard to do. When I was in school, I didn't have any space to be doing personal projects just because of the way the school was structured. Now, that may not be the case for every single school, but you might be better off telling yourself, my personal projects are for later, for the summer when I'm not in school, because I think those are such different mindsets. Work you're doing for a class, learning something new versus a personal project. I think that those are really impossible to do at the same time. And so what happens is inevitably you end up frustrated because you're not putting the time, the investment into your personal projects because you've all these school pieces. So you might try that to say, hey, summers are for my personal work. Right now, I'm just going to focus on this. I mean, taking more than one art class is a lot of work. <laughs> so sometimes just saying, you know something, my personal work will always be there. It's not going anywhere. I just can't do it right the second, which I think is okay. Oh my gosh, Melanie homemade baklava with pistachio. Oh, is that time consuming? Tell me, Melanie, I wasn't sure if that's like high maintenance dessert. Cower, I'm sorry if I said your name wrong. It's always difficult for me to put right color in a painting, exact example. Painting a hand, I couldn't bring the piece together with color. Can you have some tips for me? I think what really helps is to make the colors more exaggerated than you think they are. So let's say you have 
a painting that has like a little bit of pink. Make the pink brighter, make it more intense. Because I think a lot of the times we just sort of underestimate how punchy things are. And I think that's when we get frustrated. The other thing that's very helpful is to make sure if you're painting a hand that you have both warm and cool colors. Because, okay, if you look at my hand, my hand is all these peaches and pinks and stuff and browns. And if you only paint your hand with just those warm colors, it does tend to look monotonous. Now, if I look at my hand, actually you can kind of see here, it's a little purple there. And so if you always make sure that the hand has warm colors with bits of green, bits of blue and purple. And I know sometimes you look at the hand and you say, I don't see any blue. That's where you have to look more closely. Like it's, it's not gonna be like blue, but it could be a peach that has like a slight tint of blue and sometimes that helps. So a lot of color and painting is training your eye to see those subtle differences. So somebody could look at my cup and go, oh, it's pink. I'm gonna paint it pink. But actually depending on the lighting situation, I'm looking at it right now and there's, there's actually a little bit of blue that's coming from my screen. And so actually there's a blue spot on here. So a lot of it is learning to see that. Alexander's saying there are very few outlets here for artists. The biggest ones I see are artist leagues that are neighboring towns, 45 minute drives with joining be worth it. She have showing for other members. It depends on what you're looking to do. I mean, there's a lot of artist organizations where you become a member and a lot of places will have like a annual members show. And so it's, it's sort of like a guarantee that you'll get to exhibit your work once, maybe twice a year. There's a place called Boston Sculptors that I have a friend who's in and the way they do it, it's a co-op. And I think you get a solo show there once every two years and you have monthly duties, like you have to gallery sit and you pay a monthly fee and stuff like that. So it can be helpful, but what you have to do is research the group. You have to see, like, look up the artists who are in there and make sure it's a good fit for what you want to do. For example, you guys know what I like to paint. <laughs> like I, I shouldn't join the Wellesley Society of Flower Artists. Like that would not be my cup of tea. And that's the important thing. So you have to find the right fit. Jen says, is it normal for every time your partner says, I like this, I'm like, eh, you're just saying that. Yep, that's why I don't ask. <laughs> My spouse and I, we just don't talk about that stuff. It's just too frustrating. <laughs> and it's funny because he's an artist. He went to art school with me. That's where we met. And yet we just don't really talk about art because I think I do the same thing. <laughs> Michael's asking, what was the kind of Duralar you use for your screaming portraits? So Duralar, for people who don't know what it is, it's sort of like Mylar or acetate. You can get it translucent. You can get it also transparent. But the one I used for that series of falling portraits, I actually had the RISD store manager ordered that special for me from the manufacturer. And I don't know that it's available in regular art stores because he had to order it for me. This is why you need to make friends with people on campus. Like when Kat started teaching at RISD, 
one of the things I said to her was, you've got to make friends with the staff people because they will help you and be wonderful. Like talk to the librarian and talk to the technician. Like they're all fabulous people and you need them to help you do your job. Cause a lot of people don't do that. They just deal with the students and faculty and that's it. And I'm like, oh my God, look, look what the store manager did for me. He's so fabulous. Nicest person. I love him. Michael at the Risi store, shout out. <laughs> And, okay, so Blue says, take yes as an answer. The proper response is thank you <laughs> to that couple. Yeah, none of these mind games that I'm playing in my head. Ryan's asking about second season of Schmigadoon, which had Aaron Tveit in it. I didn't because number one, I don't have Apple Plus and I can't deal with another <laughs> streaming platform. Also, I don't like his hair <laughs> in that show. I like it when he has that really awesome hair. <laughs> oh, it has a bunch of Sweeney Todd references. <laughs> Kaur is asking, did you use canvas paper? Can you follow up, Kaur, and tell me which image you were talking about? I think you're talking about these paintings. Okay, I'll, I'll just assume that you are. So actually, <laughs> this is where things are sort of silly. This is acrylic ink, watercolor, and marker. Now, I, I would have liked to have done watercolor paper, but I didn't have any. That was the scale. All I had was Reeves BFK, which is printmaking paper. Now this is a cotton rag paper. It's not the same thing as watercolor. So it, it is very much like a sponge. It sort of absorbs stuff right away. And it's sort of frustrating because if you scrub a lot with your paper towel, which I did, it, it does pick up like little pieces. Like that wouldn't happen on watercolor paper. But this is all I had. Like, I did not have the time to go to the store and buy something else. So I was like, okay, yeah, this will do. It's fine. Sometimes those choices are just, ah, that's all I have. Sonnet says, if you haven't painted for a while, do you think you should do some drawings first before you dive into a painting? Not necessarily. You can totally just dive into painting. What sometimes is helpful, sort of like what I was telling somebody earlier, make little paintings, do a painting study. That's not the same thing as a full out painting. I think some of you saw that I done all the thumbnails for that Dune 2 poster. And then I did a little painting that was, I don't know, like that big, just because I wanted to see what the technique was like. So I don't think there's any reason you need to draw before you paint. If you want to, fine. But there's no reason why that would be necessary. This concept that I see a lot that you have to do this before you do that. I don't think that's as important as some people think it is to the point where people will say, well, I'm not a lot. I can't do that because I haven't done this, but I wanted it. And so people will say to me, well, I really want to do this thing, but I was told that I'm not supposed to do that until I've done this. And I'll say, just go do it. You can always go back. Like th there's none of this giant wall that says, no, you may not do that. If you want to go do it, do it. It's it's really fine. Maria says, how do you add in the extra colors when you aren't working from a reference? I usually try to reason through it in my head. So here's an example. So in this painting, actually all the butcher places, they're in these like white tile places and I didn't want to do white. So this color I actually made up. It, it wasn't in the reference. But my reasoning behind it 
was that all of this is largely warm colors. I mean, there's a little bit of blue in some spots and stuff. It's mostly warm. But then I thought, okay, this is all warm. Therefore, I don't want a warm background. I want to have something cool to offset that. And I also want something that's light because this is very dark in value. If I had a dark green, this would be too much. So sometimes based on color theory with warm colors or complementary colors, that's how you can reason through what color to choose. Or you can just try something. <laughs> if it looks bad, you just go over it. That's another great way to do that. And Inali says, I'm thinking of switching from working on one artwork at a time to two at a time, at least using the info from your short. My goal is to be able to draw more so I can improve faster. Thoughts. That's great. I'm so glad you're going to try that. But I will make one very specific distinction, which is that drawing faster and improving faster are two different things. So drawing faster, yeah, probably you'll get the piece finished, but improving faster, I think that's sort of an impossible goal because progress is not linear. We don't get better, better, better. It's up and down. And I just think that when we try to improve faster, it just puts unnecessary pressure. Like, oh, I should have learned that faster. I should have understood that in two minutes instead of three days. Some things really take time to process. I was just talking to Chrissy, who is one of the moderators that we have in the Discord. And Chrissy came to our Open Studios Club and said that all of a sudden, there were all these things that I've talked to her about many times that like totally made sense. And I've been working with Chrissy for a while. It's not like we've only been working together for a week. So the thing is learning things. There are some things you can just pick up. That's great. But there's a lot of things that take time. This whole warm and cool thing that I'm talking to you guys about, I had a professor at RISD, Fritz Drury, who always talked about this to the point that I was like, oh my God, stop, stop with the warm and cool colors. And honestly, it's because I didn't get it. I didn't understand why it was so important. And so it wasn't until several years after graduation that I went, oh, okay, I get it now. So yeah, it took me a couple of years. So you should never put pressure on yourself to learn or understand something faster because I don't really think that's something that we can control. And Seawing says, when I work small, I switch back and forth between two pieces done in ink or watercolors. Yeah, and it's really fun to just do something totally unrelated as well because I... I'm actually going to start a sculpture <laughs> this week. I know I have so many other things to do, but I spent so much time with these paintings this week. I don't really want to look at them for a little while. I need to take a little bit of a break. I'll come back to it. I'm still doing that Dune poster. I have an Aaron Tveit painting I did like a long time ago. Never finished it. I have to come back to that, but I'm going to make a sculpture this weekend. You guys will have to stay tuned. <laughs> Michael's asking, how important is it for an artist to use many media, acrylic, oil, dry media, etc.? It's not super important. You don't have to, but I do think number one, it makes you more versatile. Number two, I think that every media brings out a different side of you. For example, I'm a different person when I paint versus when I draw versus when I sculpt. And for me, sometimes it's really refreshing. Like if you 
spend all your time acrylic painting, you never do anything else. Sometimes it does start to feel a little bit like you're in a rut. Like it, it starts to not be as exciting. And then when you bring in another material that's very different, it's just a great way to shake up your process a little bit. I never really did mixed media like that before. I always was like straight oil, straight watercolor. But then I started doing it a lot just because it, it actually saved a lot of time. Mia and Deepy and I, we did a stream a couple days ago, I think last week, about mixed media combinations that we liked. And one thing that all three of us said was that sometimes fixing it with another media is just so much faster than trying to be a total purist. And that's fine. I mean, some people have that goal that they, they just want to do that one thing. So there's nothing wrong with any of these ways of doing it. But I've always felt that I have just loved trying out new materials. It's just the coolest thing. And so I would really push you to try some different things. But if it's not your cup of tea, that's totally fine as well. C. Cantrell's asking about my skeletal friend. His name's not Sven. His name is Logan. Logan after, after Hugh Jackman. Because when he was Wolverine, Wolverine's real name was Logan. And it's on his dog tags. And he gave them to Storm. Not Storm. Oh, I Rogue. That's her name. <laughs> his name's Logan. So yes. <laughs> I'm actually going to rearrange my desk thing in a little bit. I've been planning to do that for a while. But yes, I'm going to start new anatomy series because I looked at it and gosh, the anatomy series is from four years ago. We did it in 2020. So I was like, okay, we need a revamp. I've got my skeleton friend. I've got my skulls. They're, they're all ready. So I just have to do it. I just, you know, this thing came up and that's just the way it is sometimes. Sometimes things just have to be put aside temporarily. A reminder to everybody, no Discord chat after Friday Hangouts, but we will definitely have one on the Ortolong on Sunday. Join our Patreon group. This is such a lovely group of people. We share our art in weekly voice sessions with staff. I provide very long written critiques and support. And what a great place to make art friends. So many people are invested in each other's progress. It's very much two-way street. And I just, it makes me so proud. Like, Wow, people being so nice and supportive to each other and respectful on the internet. It's like a miracle. So this is a great group. Thank you so much to our amazing top Patreon supporters. You guys are just the bee's knees. I, I would not be here without you at all. This is still our top part of our revenue. This is our budget is the top Patreon supporters. Art Prof has a podcast is available on Spotify and also on iTunes. And Gumby would like you to subscribe for more art tutorials, critiques, and business tips. He's such a baby face. I think he's going to have a baby face forever. We'll have to see. But he's still really small. I think he's a runt. Anyway, thank you so much for watching, everybody. I'll see you next time.